Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. COVID has kind of cut into minor league action this year, so I've been posting less than I would have hoped, but this is me trying to strike back. Feel free to contact me on Twitter, Tim815, on email, Tim H-U-W-E at hotmail.com. Or on my Facebook group, Pre-Arb Excellence, I love pertinent questions. Welcome to today's episode, Robel Garcia Epilogue. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. Our time is valuable and is spent where it's valued. I called it Epilogue today because I've been, among other things, in the time off, I've been watching a few episodes of The Fugitive. Not sure how familiar you are with the episode from way back. Actually, I didn't mind the one from the 90s. It had some positive stuff going on as well. But the basic premise is a doctor is found guilty of murdering his wife. He had not murdered his wife. Someone else had done it. And the entire four-year show was him trying to go from situation to situation, making enough money to get by, and trying to find the one-armed man who he saw leaving the scene of the crime. And it was always set up in the same way, Act 1, Act 2, Act 3, Act 4, And then after Act 4, they'd come back and there would be an epilogue, just a little tiny bit of a thing. An epilogue telling you basically along the lines of, yep, he's still got to keep looking until the final episode where, nah, I'm not going to burn it for you. You should watch, watch a couple episodes of The Fugitive. The first one is quite good. And many of, the second one kind of sucks, but uh, a lot of the... A lot of them are really good. A lot of the actors and actresses are people who you probably know from somewhere. Suzanne Plachette was in it. A whole bunch of really popular actors and actresses. Jack Lord was in one. Um, But no, feel free to watch The Fugitive. Okay, now, epilogue. Robel Garcia in 2019 was a fantastic story picked up off of nowhere. He made the double-A Tennessee Smokies, did really well there, and went to Iowa, triple-A Iowa. He hit a lot of home runs, struck out a bunch. His defense was really questionable at triple-A, but what ended up happening, the Cubs got into a situation, what with Ben Zobris not being there, Daniel Descalso not being any good. A whole whole bunch of different things went on. The Cubs just needed somebody. And they decided, well, what the heck, we'll bring this guy up. And to use a Dennis Green line, he was who we thought he was. He hit a lot of home runs, at least considering how much he played. He had a lot of strikeout issues, and he had defensive concerns. All three were similar. It's what you saw in AAA, and it's what you saw in the major leagues. 
And what we ought to learn from Robel Garcia is the best way you can project how a player is going to do at the next level is how he did at the preceding level. For instance, uh, when a player is doing okay at AAA, the team decides, but we really need somebody to do well at that position. So the guys at the major league level aren't doing very well. So we're going to call up this guy from the, from AAA and hope he does really well. Hoping doesn't do jack. Another, I, I, I've been doing another rabbit hole as well. And one of the things I'm starting to realize, remember, it's very difficult to prove something, but it's easy to find evidence. So, for instance, uh, somebody says, can you prove that Nico Horner is going to have a three-plus wins above replacement season before he gets to arbitration? No, I can't. There's evidence He's rather good defensively. He doesn't seem afraid at the plate. He's doing a better job this year than last year at determining strikes from balls, hitters' pitches from pitchers' pitches, and he's generally letting the pitchers' pitches go. Um, there's evidence that he's going to figure it out. There's no proof, but there's evidence. The proof is, does he eventually do it? There really wasn't a whole lot of evidence last year, that Robel Garcia was going to be really good at the major league level. He had his moments at AAA where he'd hit a home run, but he'd also have moments where he'd flail at pitches and he was very shaky defensively. To have a player who's going to probably be good at the major league level, there ought to be some evidence that he was a whole lot better than AAA. Similarly, if you have a guy who's going from, let's say, South Bend to Myrtle Beach, how should a person decide, I think this guy has proven enough at this level, maybe it's time to get him up to the next level. Last year, about late July, I wanted the Cubs to move Brennan Davis from South Bend to Myrtle Beach. I thought he'd proven enough at South Bend. I thought he'd done perfectly well there and was probably ready for a challenge at Double A. There were a couple of outfielders that could probably be uh, platooned at the at the advanced day level. And if the Cubs would have run up Brennan Davis, he'd have been right at home. I said that, and about two or three days later, he broke his hand trying to bunt. Not quite sure why he was trying to bunt, but he broke his hand when he was trying to bunt, and there went the him getting moved up thing. It's a delicate balance as far as when a team should call someone up because you want a player to have success in a season. You also want him to struggle a bit. So um, some of it is you want to get a proper amount of at-bats at a certain level before you move him up to the next level. But... Uh, if a player is doing better than the league, which you can't really nece you can't necessarily tell just by looking at numbers, 
because sometimes people think that everyone is supposed to hit like, um, I'll say Barry Bonds before he's better than the league. Some players are defensive-oriented shortstops. And if their defense is really good, which you really can't tell by looking at a box score, to tell if a player's defense is good, you either have to be watching the game or listening to the game. Those are the two ways. If you're listening to an announcer who's really good and really non-biased, he will tell you if he's showing really good range. If the player is showing really good range, but sometimes making an overthrow, Javier Baez did that quite a bit. But if they're showing the range and they're making the routine play and the not-so-routine play, that's what you're looking for. You want to make, Does he have the defensive chops? Can he make the play he's supposed to? Yeah, players are going to make errors, but if it ever gets to a point where oh my goodness, don't hit it to him because he's going to make an error. If you just get that sense that he's going to, that he's a sieve, then he's probably not ready regardless, regardless of anything else. But uh, if you have a player who's hitting better than the league and breaking even defensively, he's probably ready for the next level. And, but it, it depends. You, you have to have a feel for is this guy doing better? If a guy is... I'm going to use the OPS plus. It's the on-base plus slugging with the... Uh, based on the league. So, for instance, let's say the OPS plus in the league is 840. That's the average OPS. The average OPS is 840. So you have a guy on your team who's hitting... 794. OPS is 794. You can say, hey, 794, that's a really high number. Well, 840 is league average, so he's hitting a bit below average. He's hitting a bit below league average. If he's doing really well defensively, that's fine. If he's a defensive-minded shortstop that's hitting 894 in an 840 league, you can get away with that. But if he's a right fielder that is kind of slow and doesn't have a whole lot of power, he'd probably better be hitting a bit better than 840. Otherwise, he's not better than the league. So if you have a player who is better than AAA, then you should probably get about calling him up. Today I was in a bit of a back and forth on Twitter. The only time that I can really think of that the Cubs had a player in... A ball, he was better than the league. Double A, he was better than the league. Triple A, he was better than the league. And they didn't call him up right away. About the only person I can think of that was that way was Chris Bryant. He was better than the league all the time, every way through. And he was getting held back for salary purposes. You know that, I know that, we all know that. And that's what that's what the... Um, case was about over the winter. But uh, most of the Cubs players haven't been better than AAA. If you have a player who's hitting really well in AAA in the Pacific Coast League, Pacific Coast League is a hitter's league. You're playing a whole bunch of games in really convenient, really 
positive offensive environments. Um, down in New Orleans, that's kind. That kind of wasn't very good offensively. Um, but most of the most of the AAA teams, most of the AAA sites in the Pacific Coast League, they're good offensively. So if a player hits 25 home runs in the PCL, well, it's kind of so what. Uh, if you're going to hit really well in the Pacific Coast League and be thought of as a really good home run hitter, might only hit 30 or 35 because there's a whole bunch of people who are hitting 25. Not necessarily with the Cubs. Part of that is because Iowa is pretty much a normal facility. It's not pitcher-friendly. It's not hitter-friendly. It's pretty much normal. Part of it is the Cubs just haven't had that many good hitters. And when they do have a good hitter, they rush them up to the major leagues. What do I mean by that? I heard you say that. When Ian Happ got to AAA, he was doing all right. But the Cubs needed him at the major league level because they had a hole in the roster. And they thought, maybe Ian Happ will do better than the guy that we're starting. They called up Ian Happ. He did all right. He did fair. He did okay. But he got sent back down a little bit later because he hadn't quite figured everything out yet. If you're going to expect a player to do really well at the major league level, they should probably have done really well at the AAA level. Chris Bryant did really well at the AAA level. He got to the major leagues, and guess what? He did really well. Vladimir Guerrero did really well all the way up the ladder. He got to AAA. He did really well. He got called up to the majors. Guess what? He did really well. The best way you can predict how a person's going to do at this level is figure out how he did at the last level, the level before. And when you have too many play, when you have players skip too many levels, yeah, it gets them up to the major leagues quicker. For instance, Starlin Castro was doing really well at Double A. The Cubs called him up to the major leagues. Well, okay, he he did all right. He did all right. He started off really well, but uh. What he missed at the AAA level was learning how to be patient on curveballs. He never learned that in AAA, and I still don't think he's learned it. Corey Patterson, on, the, on his way up through the Cubs pipeline, he skipped two full-season levels. I think he skipped skipped either AA or AAA, and he also skipped Advanced A. I think it was he went to... The Midwest League, and then he skipped Advanced A, went to Double A, then skipped Triple A. I think that's how it ended up going. So there were a couple of lessons along the line that, well, he didn't really learn because he wasn't in, at that level for any time at all to learn them. Ideally, a team should have a player play at A ball or Advanced A at least one of those two, then play at double-A, play at triple-A, and if they do well at double-A, move them to triple-A. If they do well at triple-A, move them up to the major leagues and give them a chance there. But if a player isn't doing well at double-A, there's no reason to expect he'll do well at triple-A. You might have to run him up there because you might not have enough strength in your system at that position. But if a guy's not doing well at double-A, there's no reason to think he's going to do, do well at triple-A. If a guy's not doing all that well at triple-A, there's no reason to think he's going to do well at the major league level. Robel Garcia did all right at triple-A. But people wanted him to get called up because 
well, we need somebody there. Well, there's a different way around that. You can either constantly call people up before they're ready when they're not ready so that and see that, oh my goodness, he's not ready, which we already knew. Or your team can get better at selecting players who are going to be worth having at advanced A, a double A, a triple A. And you send them to A ball, they do really well. You send them to double A, they do really well. But you send them to triple A, they do really well. And there's kind of a skill to that. There's kind of a skill to it. Part of this part of the skill of scouting is getting lucky, being fortunate. But another part of it is, especially with hitters, especially with hitters, if a hitter hits well in a good conference in college, he'll probably be able to hit well at the lower levels of the minor leagues. A ball, advanced A, he'll probably be able to do fairly well there. Then it will be a matter of how well does he adjust once he gets to double A. When you have players who are not doing particularly well at their level, or they're doing okay at a second or third tier conference college, they can still succeed. There's no question about that. David Bodie went to a junior college and has done well enough. But to have guys go from A ball to advanced A to double A to triple A, generally doing pretty well at every step of the, at every, uh, every stop along the line, the best way to do that is to find people who attended legitimate universities in good baseball conferences and here's the tough part put up good good numbers if a guy hits well in a good college conference he'll probably be able to hit well at the lower levels and then it's about adjusting on the way up if you draft a guy who is completely floored by midwest league pitching because he's never seen anything anywhere near that good before, well, then that guy probably shouldn't have been a really high draft pick. The Cubs haven't had a whole lot of offensive production from their, oh, second to eighth round hitters because they haven't had a whole lot of seventh, second to eighth round hitters that they even bothered to draft. Normally, they've been drafting pitchers, and pitchers, they haven't figured out how to do that either. So, when it gets around to talking about the draft next year, I'm going to want the Cubs to draft two of their first three as hitters. At least two of their first three as hitters. And when they draft an outfielder, I want said outfielder to either have left, uh, either right field tools or center field tools. Not so much... Well, this guy's an outfielder. He can play a little bit of left field. I want a guy who's either a center fielder or a right fielder, or at least represents being one of them. Which is kind of why I wanted Garrett Mitchell in the first round of the draft, because he might be either a center fielder or a right fielder, and he might be able to lead off. Still amusing when people 
Oh, Chris Bryant shouldn't be the leadoff man. Okay, well, who who should it be? Really, who should it be? The Cubs don't have a good leadoff batter. They just don't. Perhaps Nico Horner will eventually be there. Maybe Brennan Davis might be. I don't know. But until you locate through the draft or international sectors, you're not going to have a leadoff man. Maybe you can get one to trade. Maybe you can get one. I, I don't know how else you're going to get one. They got Dexter Fowler in a trade. They got Kenny Lofton in a trade. They got Bob Denier in a trade. So yeah, I guess you can trade, but to trade for quality, you have to have quality to spare. And as right now, the Cubs don't have a whole lot of that. So um, back to Robel Garcia. I wish him well. The Cincinnati Reds claimed him on waivers. So he's on their 40-man roster. More power to him. And if it ends up being Robel Garcia hits a couple of home runs off of the Cubs in important games, eh, so it goes. I'm more interested in people than um, fabric anyway. And Garcia seems like a good dude. I wish him well. And if it gets to a point in the future where you want the Cubs to call up a certain player, why? What's your evidence? There's no proof. But what's your evidence that he'll probably do well at the major league level? Because playing baseball at the major league level is really hard to do. And unless you have some evidence that he will be able to do it well at the major league level, he probably won't. And then you'll add him to the 40-man roster, and then you'll just have to get rid of him. Maybe you shouldn't have called him up in the first place until he proved at AAA that he was better than AAA, thereby giving evidence that he might be good enough to play at the major league level. Or at least that's how I see it. You have a great night. Stay safe. By the sounds of the weather, stay dry and stay well. Be nice to people.